Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Airway First, the podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca Downing. My guest today is the owner of CT Oral Facial Myology, Brittany Murphy. She is a certified oral facial myologist and Buteco breathing educator. Brittany received her degree from the Forsyth School of Dental Hygiene at MCPHS and postgraduate training in biofunctional therapy through the AOMT and IAOM. Brittany is an educator and mentor for the Dental Sleep Toolbox and Airway Health Solutions, training other registered dental hygienists who share the same passion in becoming myofunctional therapists. Brittany is also the face behind the podcast, I Spy With My Myo Eye. You can find out more about Brittany at ctoralfacialmyology.com. And now let's jump into my interview with Brittany Murphy. All right. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today, Brittany. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. All right. So in a lot of our previous podcasts, not a lot, in several of our previous podcasts, we've talked a lot about myofunctional therapy. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we've never really talked about are what are the goals? How and how does myofunctional therapy tie into this this concept that we're hearing a lot about about whole body health? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, our goal, regardless of who we're working with, is we want to establish um correct oral rest posture. So that is the lips being closed all day and all night, the tongue resting up in the roof of the mouth, the tip, the middle, and the back of the tongue lightly suctioned in the roof of the mouth all day and all night. Um, And we want to establish dominant nasal breathing patterns all day and all night. Now, when you're in that typical oral resting posture, we also want to talk about where the teeth are. The back teeth should be ever so slightly apart, like pretty much hovering over each other. The only time those back teeth should really ever come into contact is when we swallow and that's to help stabilize the jaw. Okay. So if, and I'm sure everybody else does this, whenever somebody mentions this, you check your own mouth. So (laughs) if your back teeth are together naturally, what does that mean? You're probably a clencher uh, would be my guess. Some clenching and grinding going on, some tension in those uh, masticatory muscles, Um, So we would definitely want to change that, get you into a dental freeway space. So a dental freeway space is exactly that little tiny space between your back teeth, which should be about two to three millimeters. Um, And, you know, your other question was, how does that tie into whole body health? And, you know, our oral cavity is the gateway to our overall health. And having Mm -hmm. that tongue resting up in the roof, the mouth does a lot for the rest of the body. Um, You know, it turns on the vagus nerve. It helps, um, you know, that parasympathetic nervous system to take over that rest and digest nervous system. When you have your tongue up, you're more likely to be a nasal breather. And I'm sure you've had people on here talking about, you know, the benefits of nasal breathing. So we don't have to get into that. But once that tongue posture drops, Um, that mouth is going to open, right? And when that mouth opens, that jaw is going to swing back. So you have to think about what that's going to do to your jaw joints. Even if you were just sitting here right now, if you had your tongue resting up in the roof of your mouth and your lips closed, and then you just Mm -hmm. simply parted your lips and dropped your tongue, you could see what that does to your body. It almost literally starts to, uh, you know, close your body. You'll feel your shoulders forward. So it really has an impact on the rest of our body. Um, You probably also had somebody on here talking about that piece of fascia that runs from the tip of our tongue all the way down to our toes. 
So you can think if there's issues going on in that upper part of that fascial system that you're going to see these other things happen. Um, and I think the biggest thing is really just talking about that wanting to be in that dominant parasympathetic state in that state of rest and digest and not in sympathetic overdrive, which is fight or flight. And you're going to have that if you are doing some mouth breathing, you will be in that sympathetic overdrive. Right. And then, so mouth breathing, uh, I, I, I think we, we kind of all understand, you know, how that falls into all of this, but one of the things that I saw on, on your website and actually you listened to a podcast where you discussed this about how myofunctional therapy and uh, sleep issues and TMJ all kind of mm -hmm. go together. Yes. Um, which may or may not be completely instinctive to some people. So I was wondering if we could just unpack that a little bit and talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that your tongue is a big stabilizer when it comes to your jaw joint. And in a course that I took before, um, so it was Sarah Hornsby's course, who's another myofunctional therapist. And she put this analogy up and she heard it from somebody else. Um, and I don't think she could remember who she heard it from, or maybe I can't remember who she heard it from. So whoever made that analogy, we're giving credit to you. This is not my analogy. It wasn't your <laughs> analogy. Um, but she put a picture up of a stool, a three-legged stool. And if you think about the three-legged stool and two of those legs being your, your joints, your TMJ joints, right? Your left and your right one. And that third one being overall good oral rest posture. So that tongue being up and your lips together. Now that stool would be nice and steady. You can totally sit on that mm -hmm. stool. But if you knock off that tongue posture, that lip competence, how shaky, how steady is that stool going to really be now? And so when we have that lower tongue rest posture, we tend to see a lot more TMD issues. And the other thing that now I can just hypothesize this from clinical experience. I don't there's not, I mean, there's some research, but there's not tons of research supporting this. Um, a lot of times I find that my TMD patients have tongue restriction or decrease in their tongue mobility, um, whether it's okay. a true tongue tie or just something we have to work through functionally with myofunctional therapy. I find that quite often that there is a restriction there. And that's why they're not really able to get that really solid tongue rest posture. Because I think when mm. people hear about myofunctional therapy, they hear a lot about like tongue to spot, like everybody learns, mm -hmm. put your tongue to the spot and the spot is right behind your upper front teeth. So like, if you were to say the letter N, if you produce that sound correctly, your tongue would hit behind your upper front teeth, not touching your upper front teeth. Now that is where you want the tip of your tongue to go, but that's not enough. You can't just have, and use my hands here, the tip of the tongue up there and the rest of the tongue kind of hanging down. You need mm -hmm. that whole tongue up there in contact, lightly suction, the tip, the middle, and the back of the tongue to really have what we consider functional tongue rest posture. Um, and when you don't have that, I think it really creates a lot of issues in that jaw stability. Even talking about um, that swallowing pattern that we talked about, when you don't have mm -hmm. that teeth together swallowing pattern, that good tongue to palate elevation of the back part of the tongue to complete that peristaltic motion of the swallow, Typically what happens is your body will learn to compensate. Your body's a beautiful thing, right? You have to swallow. You have to swallow all day long, your saliva, your liquids, your solids, right. so your body learns to compensate and you tend to have more of a tongue thrust swallowing pattern. And with that tongue thrusting forward, that's going to cause, you know, some disruption on those joints rubbing against each other. So we're going to see really? some function in the jaw joints due to an incorrect swallowing pattern. So then you want to think, well, 
where that incorrect swallowing pattern pattern come from? Like, what's the root cause of it? Could it be a tongue tie? Maybe not all the time, but if there is a tongue tie, typically there's a dysfunctional swallowing pattern associated with that. So we always want to dig deep. Myofunctional therapists are like detectives, you know, um, patients come in and it's like some of the stuff we ask them, they're like, why, like, why do you want to know this? Like, why do you want to know <laughs> if I was born vaginally or if I had an assisted birth? Like, why is this stuff important to you? I thought you were just here to fix my mouth. <laughs> right. Right. But it is all connected. I mean, even down to breastfeeding, whether or not you were breastfed and for how long, right. Cause Absolutely. that's building the muscles. Um, so one thing on your website that I would really love to, to chat about, cause it was the first time I'd ever heard this phrase, primitive reflex integration. Yes. What is this? So I learned about this. Um, I recently, um, networked with a wonderful pediatric therapist, uh, occupational therapist, I'm sorry, in my area. And she's wonderful. Right. And she specializes in retained primitive reflexes. And I learned okay. so, so much from her. So primitive reflexes are, so, it's a specific set of reflexes that all uh, babies are born with. And they basically just help like natural survi uh, survival for babies. Um, they're like okay. natural instincts. Um, you know, it helps with brain development. It gets babies moving. It helps with um, you know, the way, the way they move their hands, the way they move their feet, um, you know, muscle tone, head control, vision, like it, it helps with a lot of developmental things. And these okay. primitive reflexes should integrate within the first six to 12 months of life. And when they don't, which is what is a, a retained primitive reflex is a primitive reflex that hasn't integrated. It's retained still. That's what we okay. consider normal. And you can see some developmental delays from having that. Now, what's interesting is when I had this uh, lunch meeting with this occupational therapist, we're talking about symptoms of myofunctional disorders and symptoms of retained primitive reflexes. And a lot of them overlap. So what I'm finding with mm -hmm. a lot of the kiddos that I'm working with, and even adults can have retained reflexes, is that okay. we really need to work together because sometimes if there is a retained reflex, it can inhibit the amount of progress I can make. So examples of mm -hmm. like symptoms of retained primitive reflexes, um, difficulty reading or writing, like when kids hold the pencil more in like a grasp versus, you know, how you should hold a pencil when you write. Um, mm -hmm. If they have issues, you know, regulating their emotions, any sensory processing difficulties, um, fine or gross motor, motor delays, Bedwetting can be a symptom of a retained primitive reflex, low tone, speech delay. So again, these are overlapping mm -hmm. a lot of the things that I see in my patients. So I found this really interesting. And um, so just to give you guys an example um, of a reflex is the rooting reflex. So the rooting reflex for an infant, if you were to touch their cheek or if the infant, mm -hmm. infant was near mom and the mom's breast was to rub up on their cheek, their instinct is to turn their head and that is to find their food source. So again, right. what they're for, it's for baby's natural survival. So again, that should be integrated. But if it's not what we would see in an older child or a toddler is, um, you know, maybe some feeding difficulties or some speech difficulties or, um, or an oral habit, like a thumb sucking habit. Um, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of different reflexes. Um, when I met with the OT, she gave me some ones just to be on the lookout for, you know, in my patients, but 
it's a really interesting topic. And that's why, especially when you're working with that younger population, to have that collaboration, you know, with an occupational therapist that can really help these kids. And a lot of the stuff they do to integrate this, it's a lot of play-based. I mean, she's somebody actually even awesome to have on your podcast and I can share her contact information with you after, but for anybody that wants to follow her on social media, her name's Anne-Marie DeMarco. And she puts a bunch of videos out, um, you know, on her Instagram page, showing all the work and the fun that she does with these kids that is helping them integrate these reflexes. So we've been referring patients, you know, back and forth to each other. So it's been really cool to start working with her because, there's just some kids where sometimes you reach this roadblock and you're like, ah, there's something missing here. Like, what is it? And that's why that collaboration is so important. Like Mayo is important. It is a hundred percent, totally a piece to the airway puzzle, but it is not the only answer. Yeah. And I, and I absolutely agree with that. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a minute as parents, you know, uh, what are things, I guess it's twofold, right? So what are some things that we can do Obviously, it's going to be a little easier when they're younger Mm -hmm. to help prevent some of this oral dysfunction. But, you know, what can we do with older kids? We don't really talk about them very often. What can we do to help like open bites or mouth breathing things that we're seeing? Yeah. So I think, you know, when you talk about older kids, like the the dysfunction you're seeing is a result of the dysfunction that probably started very, very early on. Right. Um, So. Oh, when we talk about open bites, so let's talk about that first. So things that you can do. So oral habits are definitely a big one. So like thumb sucking, finger sucking, nail biting, um, you know, prolonged sippy cup use. I mean, really getting these kids less, you know, not using those sippy cups or at least getting one that is a little bit better to promote good as best of function as you can. Sippy cups do not have good oral facial function in mind. Uh, But you can Mm -hmm. do, you know, you can start sipping out of a straw at six months. You can start sipping out of a cup, single sips, you know, at six months. Now, of course, sipping out of a a cup, yes, they can spill it much easier than if it wasn't a sip. But we have to think about what the benefits of this are, right? So those are things that you can definitely do. Um, the oral habits, like I said, just being mindful, you know, there's so much more awareness. I feel like we get a lot of moms reaching out to us through Instagram, like sending me pictures of their babies, you know, with their mouth open, like baby babies, like new babies. And like, what can I do? And one of the things that you can do is literally just close their jaw. Keep reiterating that lip close, lips close, lips close. You're listening to Airway First with today's guest, Brittany Murphy. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for parents and medical professionals, including videos, blogs, recommended reading, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, and so much more. We also encourage parents to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Are you a medical professional or parent that's interested in being a guest on our show? Or do you have an idea for an upcoming episode, perhaps? Then shoot us a note via our contacts page on our website or 
send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now, let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Brittany Murphy. of course, if you're hearing the child very congested or they're snorting or they're wheezing or something like that, then that's a sign that there's some kind of nasal obstruction going on. And we want to take care of that. So oftentimes, you know, referring to an ENT and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the biggest thing is I'm not a mom yet. I hope soon to be, we just got married in June, but moms have that gut feeling like that instinct, right? Like this isn't, And you go to the pediatrician and the pediatrician says they'll grow out of it. Or you go somewhere normal, like something Mm -hmm. just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Right. Exactly. Um, And just following that instinct and keep going until you meet somebody that is going to listen to you. And there's so much more access to people in the airway field now than there ever were with all of the groups and the directories and things like that. But just Mm -hmm. for moms to follow their instinct, like, You know, it's not normal that your kid is snoring. It's not normal that they're clenching and grinding their teeth. Um, And these are all things that if we can get to them earlier, the better, because by age four, you know, 60% of craniofacial development is already complete. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. By age four, 60% is already complete. So why wouldn't we want to start working with these kids earlier? Um, Myo munchies. Myo munchies are really great for younger populations, you know, to start using moms can order those online. You can't order the baby one, um, but you can order, you know, uh, what would it be? I don't even know what years it would be that you, I know you can't order the baby. Like two to four. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even smaller. It might start maybe at 12 Mm -hmm. months. I can't remember what the smallest starts off starts out as, but you can order that off of the mile munchie website and start introducing that to them. You can work with a mile functional therapist, you know, at a, young age, 18 months to two years, it's going to look a lot different than working with like a five or six year old, but there's, there's still, um, things we can do to help promote better foundations and help to, you know, put them on a better trajectory to having better habits. And one of the things that I saw, and I, I can't remember where I saw this, but just to clarify, you know, when you're looking at your child, is is it okay if you notice they only chew on one side of their mouth? Is that just, I don't know, like, is that just a habit thing? Can that throw things off with their oral development? Yeah. So, yes. Um, you know, chewing on one side, think about, you know, if you went to the gym and you only did bicep curls on your right arm, like your left arm, what's going to happen? Right. Nothing. You're not going to get bigger muscles. The muscles might even even atrophy, right? Or get smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So it's kind of the same idea. I mean, muscles, you have to use them in order to really develop that good, strong, you know, foundation. So sometimes with one unilateral chewing or one side chewing, we can see some facial asymmetry due to the difference in those muscles. Um, the other thing I'd want to know if a kiddo was only chewing on one side was do they have difficulties bringing the food to the other side? Because sometimes with a tongue tie or restricted range of motion, and sometimes even just, you know, lack of 
muscle coordination or low tone or things like that, they, they can't get that tongue to move side to side. They can't Actually do it. So okay. that's something that I'd want to make sure that there wasn't a tongue tie involved. Um, and definitely something, you know, a feeding therapist can assist with if there's like actual feeding difficulties associated with that, like any choking, gagging, spitting up, um, things like that. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. So, and it makes total sense. It's just funny. I'd never heard that. And I saw that and thought, mm. yeah, I had, <laughs> so- um, I had one. So my very first myofunctional therapy patient ever, and like looking back now, we got tremendous results. Like I'll never forget taking her final photos and being like, wow, like wow, <laughs> this, this really does work. Like I knew it worked, but like now I'm really seeing it. Yeah. To um, see it. It's <laughs> funny. Right. So looking back though, I would have done her case so much differently. I mean, at that point, I didn't have the connections I have now. There weren't as many airway dentists in Connecticut that there are now. She was a four premolar um, extraction case. Um, she definitely needed expansion. She probably could have used, you know, uh, actually at that point, I don't know if she really had a true tongue tie. I think it was more just lack of space. She was so narrow. But anyways, her initial chief complaint when she came to see me was asymmetry in her face. It almost looked like she had some, something went on. If she had like Bell's palsy or something like that, one side of her face was significantly bigger than the other. And through myofunctional therapy and normalizing that bilateral chewing process that she had, we were really able to gain some good symmetry. Now, that's not technically one of our goals as myofunctional therapists, because remember, our goal is to restore correct oral rest posture. But through mm-hmm. that, we see these other changes. Um, so that was really cool with her. And one of the things was she had uh, dental work done on her lower right area and it hurt. So she started chewing on the other side and she only chewed on that left side for mm-hmm. years, years. Yeah, it, it was so, really cool. It, it's always amazing when, when um, you've got some on yours and, and you can see them on some other websites where you see these before and after. I mean, even mm-hmm. just in posture, it's just, it's just so amazing to me to see them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, the second that you get that tongue resting up in the roof of the mouth, it's just going to help open this area. And that, you know, myofunctional therapy is so much more than just giving mouth exercises, tongue exercises, jaw exercises. You know, I have a close colleague of mine and she was actually on the podcast, Carice Laguerre, who Mm -hmm. um, she likens myofunctional therapy to personal training. And I love this analogy twofold as the trainer or the therapist, you know, you're not just talking about, okay, do this bicep curl, do this tricep dip and have good form, but you also have to help your client make good lifestyle changes or have good lifestyle habits. And it's the same as us for myofunctional therapists with our patients. I mean, we're talking about nasal hygiene. We're talking about sleep hygiene. We're talking about diet. Um, You know, we're talking about all these different things. If you're posture, you know, we'll do some posture exercises with patients, give them tips. You know, if you're somebody that works at a computer, okay, we'll make sure your monitor is raised up. Make sure you have, you know, all these, a chair where your, you know, your legs are at a 90 degree angle, um, different things that we're helping them to just incorporate better habits, even for kids, kids that play video games. I mean, yes, we should lessen the amount we play video games, but play that lessened amount of video games 
on a medicine ball. Don't sit on the couch where you're like all hunched over. Mm. Sitting on that medicine ball, you can help engage that core. We can support better posture. Um, you know, making oh. sure the screen is directly in front of you instead of like up, or I guess it wouldn't be down for any reason. But we're doing all of this outside of just the exercises. The exercises are a small part of it. That overall awareness is key mm-hmm. to creating changes. You could do your myofunctional therapy exercises twice a day, just like they're prescribed. But if you add up the time you're doing it, let's say it takes 30 minutes a day, which usually it doesn't, but let's just say for the sake of math, um, what are you doing the other 23 and a half hours of the day? If that mouth is slumped open, if you're mouth breathing, if you're not paying attention to the way you're chewing, you're not paying attention to where your tongue is, how are we really going to be able to reach the goals we want to? So as therapists, it's really our job to help our patients or clients, regardless of their age, to integrate these like check-ins with themselves. So like, for instance, if I was working with like a eight-year-old girl, I would say, okay, I want you and mom, you know, to go to the store. I want you to get a new scrunchie, a really cool scrunchie. And I want you to wear it on your wrist. And when you go to school and you look down and you see this new scrunchie, I want you to think, where is your tongue? Where are your lips? And how are you breathing? So now throughout her school day, she has something to serve as a reminder. So it's not just Mm -hmm. when she's doing her exercises that it's on her mind. We're having it on her mind more consistently. Continuously. I like Mm -hmm. that. I love that. And you touched on this a little bit earlier. And so I'd like to, to dive into this a bit more. What are your thoughts on why this whole cross functional, I, I say cross functional team, but um, approach is so important? And it sure feels like it's just all of a sudden, right? Airways in the forefront. We're talking about this <clears throat> and we're talking about the benefits of this cross functional approach. What's driving this movement? I think it's a mixture of there's a lot more professionals getting trained and educated on understanding the importance of airway and collaboration. I think that James Nestor's book had a lot to do with it because that was somebody completely out of the field that wrote this amazing book that brought so much attention to what it is we do from every aspect, from breathing, from myofunctional therapy to structure to, I mean, he literally talked about everything in his book. So I think that was huge. I think that, and we all, you know, we thank him so much. Like it really helped the general public just become more aware of these things. Um, And then, you know, that importance of the collaboration, I think people are just realizing like, it's not a one-stop shop. Like you can't just go to the orthodontist, right? It's not just about having straight teeth. It's about the airway. And we have to think, you know, when I go and do a lunch and learn in orthodontic office and they're like, look, we know about myofunctional therapy. We want to refer you patients. Like who do we send to you? And I kind of feel like a jerk because I'm like everybody because they're literally <laughs> in your, they're in your chair because there's some kind of dysfunction that's going on. So we can't have one without the other. I mean, you can put somebody in braces, you can expand them. Yes, things are going to move and shift while they're literally in these appliances. But what's right. going to happen when those appliances are out? When they're having right. that you know, those muscles working in their dysfunctional way where they're, you know, the cheeks are pressing against the teeth and collapsing those arches again, after this beautiful expansion you gave to a patient, 
Um, and I always explain it, you know, to parents, I have this slide that I put up that has like three triangles and one is function, which is me. Um, one is structure, which is, you know, an airway dentist or an orthodontist. And the other one says limitations because even you could even see me and even see that airway dentist or that orthodontist. And sometimes that's not enough because if we have a limitation, if we have a tongue tie, if we have nasal incompetency, how successful are we going to be? Most of what I do, my patients have to be able to breathe through their nose. I can't, if, if somebody's main route is orally because they literally can't breathe through their mo their nose, I'm never going to get them to keep their lips closed and their tongue up. It's just, I could be the best myofunctional therapist right. in America. It's just not going to happen. So we right. have to make sure that all these moving parts are all working together. It's just, it is literally so important. And I'll say to my patients, and I'm very upfront with them because Again, I love myofunctional therapy, but we're not magic workers. So, you know, if this is the start and this is the finish line, if you don't do the other things we suggest, maybe we'll get here. But if you want to mm -hmm. get to that finish line, you have to see the ENT. You have to see the release provider. You have to see the orthodontist and you have to see me and maybe even a body worker. We're big proponents of body workers. I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. So- one of the things I like to do at the end of every podcast is just completely turn the floor back over to our guest. It's whatever you feel that we haven't covered, whatever you'd like to reiterate to parents, the floor is totally yours. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, I don't know, we covered a lot and I know you've interviewed such great people on this podcast through. So throughout all the episodes, I'm sure you've covered like everything, you know, to its entirety. But I think one of the things I would say, especially this happens more with the pediatric population than I feel like with our adults, they come to us or they come to an airway dentist and then they go back and ask the advice from their ENT, their pediatrician, their general dentist that isn't trained in airway. And they become very, very confused. And sometimes, of course, you've been with this pediatrician for however old your child is. You trust this pediatrician. Yes, you should. Mm -hmm. They're, they've kept your child mm -hmm. alive for the last however many years. Right. But especially pediatricians, you know, they have to know so much about everything. They aren't specialists of this area. Like that's literally not their job. And I think the, my right. biggest advice would be, and I always say to parents, when I have clients come back and they're like, oh, you know, we talked to our ENT and the ENT doesn't really think that there's a restriction. So I'll say, okay, well, I would love if me, you and the ENT could have a conference call. I love for the three of us to all get on the same page so that the ENT understands what I'm seeing from my perspective. And I can see what the ENT seeing from their perspective don't take it's not that bad or it's not that good as an answer because the opposite of that is is what do you want your child just walking around with it it's it's not that bad it's no. not that bad right or right? they'll grow out of it or they'll grow out of it like you don't you don't want that you want you want your child to thrive so I would just keep keep asking more questions you know when the ENT disagrees with a tongue-tie diagnosis why? Tell me why you disagree with this. Don't just take what they say as gospel because uh -huh. 
we don't, I don't know everything. I learn something new every day. I mean, that is the biggest thing. Like we're lifelong learners. And if you have it in your head that you know it all and you're somebody with that big ego, you're putting your patients at risk, right? We always should yeah. be open. There should be no reason that somebody's pediatrician or ENT doesn't want to have a conversation with me. And it does happen. And it's one of my pet peeves because at the end of the day, like we're all in this for the same reason. We're just trying to help our right. patients and help them thrive. So let's communicate, let's collaborate, let's learn from each other. I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much for being on today. And, and you know, you, <clears throat> you mentioned we've had so many great people, but I think that's why we continue to have so many of you on here is because you all bring different perspectives and you all are adding to the conversation and we really appreciate your time. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks again to today's guest, Brittany Murphy, for sharing her medical insight and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, the Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. On the CAF YouTube channel, you can find a variety of informative original video content, as well as video recordings and excerpts from selected Airway First podcast episodes. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.